Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. So welcome back. Um, so in our podcast, we always talk about um, things about musicals. And in today's episode, we will be talking about Rent. And it's a big one. It is definitely a big one. Um, so just to guess a synopsis before we start. Um, so Rent is a 1996 musical about a group of friends living their lives in Alphabet City, New York. Um, and that happens during the AIDS epidemic. So um, what's your experience like with Rent? It's actually a pretty interesting one. I have a personal connection to it, so I have a feeling that whatever I say today is probably going to be very biased. Mm -hmm. So I first watched or know about Rent when I was still in my teenage years, so maybe when I was about 13, 14-ish, and I watched the movie first, actually. So back in Taiwan, like it was back in the days when you have to go to the DVD renting store, to rent like a DVD or a movie. No, it was not exactly that, but it's very similar to what it was. <laughs> Anyhow, like we rented this movie and we took it home to watch it. And because it was a musical and it was like kind of like a new concept to me, like a musical movie. So we were like really liking the music. So we had to like take out our little like small recorders, like those like um radio recorders. And we like recorded the music right off like from the tv self and we listened to the tape like afterwards so i became very very familiar with the rent music and Uh i feel like that's part of the reason why i am going to be very um, heavily biased towards it um so yeah but i have a long history with rent i've never seen it live but that was my history with rent like originally (laughs) <laughs> yeah did you watch it with the family when you all rented it out I yeah. figured it would be kind of an embarrassing one to watch with your really parents. why I don't know like there has a lot of like adult themes so I would have been embarrassed but maybe your relationship with your parents is different I think it was not maybe I was at the age where I don't understand what it mostly means kind oh, of. Maybe, maybe. like yeah <laughs> I know about like the homosexual relationship and all that but like a lot of the references, like, it didn't make sense to me at the time. So, and uh, I guess it didn't make sense to my parents, too, because it's very, like, American-based. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't occur to us as, like, embarrassing. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, as for my relationship, to be honest, I before this episode, I haven't watched the movie. And even for this episode, I only finished the first act of the movie because uh, I started it late. <laughs> and uh, obviously, I watched the entire stage performance. Um, we're going to be talking about the 2008 recording, uh, stage recording. I believe it was like the very last performance mm-hmm. um, of the musical which is nice. It's neat. And thank you, uh, whoever recorded it, because uh, I think it made the, the musical a lot more accessible, and especially since at least from what I've seen, the movie and the musical are quite different. But I think you watched the, mu- the movie several times, so maybe you can pepper that in. I only listened to the cast recording um, in full, so I was familiar with all the songs, but um, a lot of the stuff that happened on stage and didn't happen on the cast recording, that like really changed my perspective on things, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think it made some characters more likable and some characters less likable. So it definitely changed my perspective a little bit. I heard a lot about Rent in terms of like the controversy. There are a lot of videos, uh, video essays about it. And I really like um, seeing video essays. So definitely heard a lot about it. But besides the um, cast recording, I never actually interacted with it all that much. And even the cast recording was relatively recent. What was your initial impression after you finished a cast recording, per se? uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the music, actually. 
this is kind of like the rock music that I feel like is genuine rock in direct comparison to the yes. school of rock. That we um, and I thought it was really, really great. Uh, obviously, I recognize some of the songs. Some of the songs were really big and you knew them, about them before, especially from Glee, to be honest. So I think I talked about Glee several times here, but I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. I'm on my third watching of it. And uh, they covered a lot of songs from the, <laughs> from the musical. Seasons of Love, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, but they also covered Take It or Leave Me or whatever it's called. Okay. So and I think one other one, but I don't really remember. But yeah, so not as much interaction with you. So I'm really, really curious how you're going to talk about everything since you do have more of a personal connection. Um, in terms of the musical itself, as you mentioned, it is quite controversial. But at the time of release, it was definitely a success. It won like a whole bunch of Tonys. Um, and it also won a Pulitzer Prize, I believe, which is like, wow, an accomplishment, an achievement. Um, the musical itself borrows heavily from an opera called La Boheme. But they changed the illness from tuberculosis in La Boheme uh, to the to AIDS in um, Rent. And um, do, did you know about La Boheme? Did you have any interaction with it? No, not okay. at all. Were you familiar with about the with the connection? Not at all until I have to prep for this episode. Uh, <laughs> Can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not a big opera fan. I only watched like twice. Even though Canada and Toronto specifically has a lot of like really nice opera performances and uh, students especially can buy very cheap tickets. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you are into that and you're a student, maybe maybe go for that. But yeah, never, never interact with La Boheme personally. I just know it's it's heavily inspiring. And I guess another thing maybe we should talk about. I feel like right now people will be more will be able to relate to it a bit more because of the whole like pandemic we're in <laughs> I mean obviously it's nothing it's not I don't know as deadly necessarily as the AIDS epidemic and it's faster acting so there are a lot of like differences um but I think a lot of people will still be able to relate to it um especially with the whole thing of rent and the inability to pay rent uh there's a lot of rent forgiveness that needs to be happening in Canada and also in the states and uh the musical version at least has a pretty big homeless subplot, which I think is also a big issue right now. So I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to it more. Um, I heard a lot of the criticism that the there were about the movie and the musical is that it's not relatable that much anymore. And I wonder if that kind of like criticism would change now after everything that's happening. And last disclaimer before we jump into it. So I looked into Angel's pronouns because I didn't want to misgender him. And in the show, they refer to him both in he, him pronouns and she, her pronouns. And from my understanding, he goes by she, her pronouns when he, when, when in drag, but he, him out of drag. So um, that's what I'm going to try to do as well. If my info is incorrect, please let us know and we'll put a disclaimer and we'll try to correct it. Okay, so the first few songs that we're going to bunch together are Tune Up number one, Voicemail number one, and Tune Up number two. So um, it starts in Christmas Eve in New York City. Uh, the roommates, Mark and Rogers, live on the top floor of what used to be a music publishing factory, and uh, they have no electricity. They're freezing. Mark is shooting a documentary while Rogers, a musician, is tuning up his guitar. So meanwhile, Mark's mom calls on the phone. We find out his ex-girlfriend dumped him um, for another girl. And uh, we also find out that uh, he's kind of like out of work, but his mommy's still concerned. 
So uh, meanwhile, another guy who we later find out is Mark and Roger's friend, Collins, who is a computer age philosophy professor and an anarchist, calls them, but is quickly disconnected that he's being mugged. And finally, just after, Benny, who used to be Mark and Roger's ex-roommate uh, and bought the building, told them that they don't have to pay rent anymore. But now he's kind of like breaking his promise and asking them to pay for an entire year's rent. And if he doesn't get paid, he's going to be a victim. And to kind of give them a final warning, he shut out the power line, which is why they didn't have power. So we kind of introduced a lot of characters over here, but not a lot of music has been playing um, during this entire thing. Do you have any comments on the music? No, like you said, there's pretty much no music. There's a little bit, but... Yeah, I think we can just jump into the first song. I mean, I kind of want to talk about the voicemail, uh, at least. Okay. So the voicemail is something that we'll hear over and over again in a bit of different melodies. And it's always, you know, some kind of like parent who is calling and is concerned or maybe some kind of co-worker that is calling. And I really, really hate how they ignore their parents. Uh, I like the melody and the music itself of the voicemail. It's It's pretty like... I don't know, captivating, it's interesting, and it's pretty iconic for the fifth one specifically. But for the first one, it starts off pretty well. Um, it just really pisses me off that he's not calling his parents. Because they seem really sweet. They, he has absolutely no reason not to call them. And he's being kind of a bad son right now. I don't know if you noticed that too, or if it bugged you, but I really wanted him to call his parents. I mean, I noticed it too, but it didn't bother me as much just because, I don't know, I guess like when it comes to like family relationship, I always like try not to say too much in a way, (laughs) um, unless it was like very present or like visible on the stage. But because we had pretty much no visibility or there was just no back um, backstory about how their relationship has been. Mm -hmm. So I respect his decision not to call, but obviously from what we can see like it seems like a very caring parents yeah. um yeah so i was also kind of like why don't you call back but because we don't know the full picture i don't want to say too much yeah. okay that's fair all right so we can go straight to the other song which is rent um so roger and mark don't know how they would manage to pay last year's rent um let alone you know next year's rent and to keep warm they light all their artistic works um so for mark it's his screenplays and for rogers it's his music sheets on fire and in the end they ultimately decide not to pay rent and this i think action of lighting your artistic work on fire is directly lifted from labo m i believe um so what do you have to say about that one so I actually really like the song. Yeah. I found it really funny when I was a kid. So when I first listened to the song when I was like 13, 14-ish, like my English wasn't great either. But like just reading the lyrics and saying that and watching them saying something like, I don't want to pay rent. So like we're not going to pay rent forever. It was just so funny to me because they actually made a song about not wanting to pay money. So at the time, in my mind, I just thought the song itself it sounds good, but the lyrics itself, like, it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, when I grew up, like, as an adult, like, now that I look back, like, I kind of think differently. But I can understand their frustration because Benny was the one who broke the promise. So it's naturally for them to kind of feel angry about having to pay something that they were promised not having to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand that. And for me, 
because you watch act one in the movie too right yeah so for me i don't like how the movie handled this part to be honest because mm-hmm. it was almost like a a riot like a something that's like crazy insane out of control going out uh, going mm-hmm. on on the outside but then in the musical like it was nothing like that there was no like burning there's no fire there's no like people shouting screaming on the street kind of I mean, there was burning to there. keep warm. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, not, like, nothing to, like, throw. I don't know if you see the scene, but, like, they were, like, mm-hmm. throwing their, yeah. like, the fire pit almost, like, down the street out of the window. And yeah. I thought it was really questionable just because, like, why would you do that? I prefer how they handle it in the musical a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I like that sort of messiness, but in a more organized way. And I think this opening number is, like, kind of wild in the sense and mm-hmm. it gives you a very good picture of like what their life kind of looks like and then their frustration is very well I guess expressed in the song yeah what do you think I really like it musically I think it's a really really good song musically mm-hmm. and it's very catchy uh the feel of it is really good I would have absolutely so in the movie if you ignore the fact that they sang seasons of love first uh this is kind of the opening song and they uh took out tune one uh, voicemail one and tune two it should have been the opener <laughs> i think it would have been a really really strong opener so i know they wanted to give a little bit more of an info of uh you know half the main cast but this just has some pizzazz to it that would have really, really taken it up a notch, in my opinion. Um, so needless to say, I really like it. In terms of, you know, the conflict, I totally understand, obviously, being upset about what's happening. And I think it makes sense if they... So I would be upset because he asked him to pay the previous year's rent. If he didn't do that and just ask him to pay rent from now on forward and forgave the entire last year, I think he would have been an A-OK person. Um, but he retrospect- like retroactively wants to demand rent, and that's my issue with him. I don't know what you think about the whole conflict in terms of like the actual payment they have to make, but because he has some outside pressure from his father-in-law, I understand, you know, it not necessarily and totally being in his control. Yeah, Um, I mean, I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think he is at fault necessarily. Like, obviously, breaking the promise is not great. Yeah. But I can also understand, like, where he's coming from. And a lot of the conflicts between Benny and, like, the rest of the cast, like, usually comes from having to care about the poor and the homeless versus like using the land um to try and to build something none of them care luxury. about the poor and the homeless though. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that's the big controversy here is that even though like the mark roger marine like they claim that they care about the homeless but it was yeah. very um like it was brushing on the surface almost like they don't really care about it like it wasn't mentioned as often it wasn't mm-hmm. a big theme in mm-hmm. the musical I think, like, it was trying to paint Benny as more of a villain, um, but really, in reality, it's not, and, um, and yeah, I can live with that. Yeah, and I, th- I think I see that especially with, you know, the family life, going back to that again. I don't mm-hmm. know, I just really like family relationships. <laughs> but you see that, like, Mark, again, has very loving parents. Um, Joanne, which we'll see later on, has very loving parents. Uh, like, uh, Roger's mom calls him later on. So a lot of them have a good support network and who would probably be happy to pay for them and support them. But they aren't using their support networks 
for anything and they're actively ignoring them so i can totally see what you mean of it like you know not being re- as realistic and them having a lot of privilege they're ignoring but yeah for benny he's a scumbag for other reasons i don't know I, because i don't watch the second act of the movie if they make him uh a scumbag there too you know a spoiler i guess um he will be cheating with mimi later on so uh on his wife since he's married um so definitely he has some things that aren't exactly sorted out as a person and in the movie at least in the first act they make him less antagonistic than he is in the stage version i think um in the stage version he's like very actively taunting them but in the movie at least from what i've seen it was less so but even in the stage version i kind of see where he's coming from but he's not doing it in a very good way especially as somebody who used to be their friend um that part is kind of assholeish in my opinion um but yeah music itself very very good i wish it was the opener so uh after that we have you okay honey angel finds the wounded collins in the street and helps him out it's love at first sight and we learn immediately that they're both hiv positive and angel invites him and his friend to his life support meeting it's very short do you have any thoughts on it or the interaction before we move on no not really i think we can like save it until later okay so um then we have tune up three and one song glory so mark goes to help maureen before her show that night um and before leaving he shoots some more footage for his documentary so he reveals that roger's ex-girlfriend left him a suicide note saying that they're both uh, they both have aids rogers is left alone after that at the apartment and he's trying to write one great song before dying from AIDS, but can't come up with anything. So I guess maybe I'll say what I think about this song first. I really, really like it. I think it's oh, very... good. Oh, you like it too. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's like such a heartbreaking song, especially I think in the same version, I could truly see the emotion um, there and I felt the utmost sympathy. Um, and I understand the need like the really burning need that he has to have something that people can remember him by before dying. Um, and I think the emotions are especially clear when he says like from the soul of a young man and then he repeats a young man and it dawns on him, you know, that he doesn't have much life left and he hasn't lived all that much. So I just find that song to be heart wrenching and I really like it a lot. Yeah, um, I think Roger is like one of the more likable characters for yeah. me. Obviously, like, his relationship with Mimi, like, later on is not the healthiest, but I think not everything in art needs to be healthy anyways. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, how he handles that sort of trauma, like, imagine your partner just, like, leave you a suicide note saying that, hey, you got AIDS, and then she just killed herself to leave you alone to deal with this, like the amount of pressure, shock, and pain that he must have felt. And I don't know if you notice it, but, like, he has, like, her tattoo on his fingers. Oh, I did not. On his fingers, like, it it spells the name of his ex-girlfriend, April. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was, like, a very neat detail to show you just how much they were in love and then how traumatic that experience has been for for Roger. So Mm -hmm. on the narrative and the acting point of view, I agree with you 100%. It was just so moving. It's just so painful, heartbreaking to watch. Um, and I think the actor himself, I don't know if you, if you also felt the same way, but he looks so much like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yes, definitely. He, 
looks like a bunch of people, but I think like Gordon Ramsay is emo Go- Gordon Ramsay. I've seen in the comments at least is the <laughs> most resemblance. Yeah, but he has a really great voice. And he does. I like yes. his voice. Yeah, musically is amazing. It's one of the songs that I liked the most. It's really hard for, for me to pick a favorite because, like I said, I become so familiar with the music from such a young age. So I almost like every single song, um, except for two songs. I feel like, and you can guess what they are when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I most likely enjoy all the songs from this musical, and I think like this song is particular. It has like that really emotional rock vibe to it. Are the songs "Over the Moon" and "Contact"? Oh my god, <laughs> you yes! almost sent me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I didn't like "Contact" either. Actually, I think it could have easily been taken out. You know, the only thing that was relevant about the song, in my opinion, was the last line and it wasn't even sung so yeah yeah yeah. Um, anyways we'll talk more when it gets there yeah no I just I I had to guess I had to (laughs) (laughs) good guess good guess thank you um I totally agree with you by the way about Roger because I find him very likable and even the relationship like I have some problem with Mimi I don't hate her um I think she's actually a very good character um she's not necessarily the most likable but she is not unlikable um, and I think actually Roger is really good for Mimi, um, at least. So yeah, something in the relationship can be happy, can be happy and healthy at least for one of them. Um, so I guess there are, there are positives there. And speaking of Mimi, the next song is "Light My Candle." So Roger is interrupted by Mimi um, knocking on his door. And aside, Mimi in the stage version is played by uh, Renee Goldsberry. And Renee Goldsberry is of Hamilton fame. Uh, she is Angelica, of course. Um, I personally actually knew her from The Good Wife first. Um, so I was really, really excited to see her here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another thing, <laughs> I don't know. She's, uh, so Mimi is always, or almost always, I guess, played by a Latina actress. I don't think Renee Goldsberry is Latina, but I don't really know. I didn't really say anything on her Wikipedia page um, about that. So... I don't know about that, but yeah. So thinking it is Mark, Roger opens the door um, and he's confronted by Mimi asking him to light her candle so she can get warm. So Roger lights up her candle. Um, We can see that he likes Mimi pretty much instantly because she reminds him of his ex-girlfriend, April. Uh, And Mimi obviously likes him too because as soon as his back is turned, she blows out the candle so she can stall for some more time with him. As the song progresses, she kind of gets pretty more pretty more blatant with her advances and Roger is is clearly hesitant to start something with her Um, and it's probably because he recognizes that Mimi is addicted to drugs primarily heroin Um, and Roger just got out of rehab and is trying to take care of himself. So um, what do you think of the song? So I think Roger is a little bit hesitant to start anything is also because that he has AIDS and then he doesn't want to pass it on yeah. to like Mimi. He doesn't know at this point that Mimi. Also- yeah. 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 So I feel like that was more of the primary reason um, because he was already hesitant before he knew that she was doing drugs. So that's just my take. I, I thought the song is actually so cute. Sorry. What were you saying? Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I thought the song was actually so cute. Um, it's just so cute to see like Roger's reaction. Like they have really good chemistry on the stage. I feel like, and Mimi like 
I think when she played Mimi, she was like almost 38 or something like third in her mid 30s for sure. But like she's in such a good shape. Like she's so convincing as Mimi, very <laughs> flirty, very charming and just so adorable <laughs> in a way. I like seeing their um interaction on stage because it will be like Mimi trying to flirt with Rogers and Rogers would just kind of shy away, which is so cute. Um So yeah, I enjoyed the song in that regard. And musically, mm-hmm. it's nice. I enjoy listening to it. I know it's probably not much to a lot of people. And to be honest, generally, I don't enjoy songs that has a lot of like dialogue in it. It's like less uh, melody and more talking. So usually I don't like songs like that. But mm-hmm. I can live with this one. <laughs> yeah. Just because of how cute it is. Yeah. So yeah, what do you think? Um, I think it definitely has some cuteness to it especially Mimi so Mimi is only 19 Roger's uh, Roger at the beginning thinks she's 16 and she has a lot of playfulness elements because she's so young so like you know the blowing the candle when he's like not looking and trying to like be i guess more um sexual with him just to like show that she's a mature adult um and i think that's like a pretty childish way to look at it so i think like a lot of the cuteness comes from you know her being very young and that's something that just pinged me a little bit the fact that she's only 19 and she had such like a tragic life you know she's addicted to drugs she's hiv positive all that kind of stuff um later she'll be living in the streets so um Yeah, that that part really really made me sad, but I think they definitely have a lot of chemistry. They're very cute together despite not being the healthiest couple necessarily, and I actually musically really like their voices together. Um so Mimi has a little bit more of a raspy voice, but it's still obviously very impressive and Roger has I think more of like a classic rock to it, especially in the movie I think. So for the movie cast except for Mimi and except for Joanne all the cast are the, are the original cast so I was really impressed with his voice there and obviously I really liked um his voice in the 2008 recording and I think just generally their voices blend really really well it's a good number agreed yeah I have something to say about their relationship oh so, okay I know like most people think that they have really unhealthy relationship but to me like actually if you think of it in a way that they kind of sort of bring the best out of each other in a way because by being with Rogers like Mimi eventually quit doing drugs kind of at the end very very end of the musical I hope and mm-hmm. then Rogers like kind of like open up a little yeah. bit and then learn how to love someone else again or like learn how to like open himself up um to other people again so right. I think in that regard like both grow a lot from this relationship and then to really learn some lessons from this so even though like obviously the process is a little bit rocky but then we have to be reminded that they're not mentally healthy individuals to begin with especially Rogers the show literally said like oh you know yeah. she has baggage you have baggage and yeah. that's something that is important to keep in mind exactly so yeah. yeah I think it's relatable in that way like not everything is going to be healthy and perfect Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But I think like, at least for Rogers, primarily, this kind of change would not have happened without his friends and more specifically Mark, who like urged him over and over and over again to open up. And of course, mm-hmm. Mimi did that too. But I think the way she did it was not as successful as the way that Mark did it. And it was kind of a combined effort of all of these elements that catalyzed his change. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. But then he wouldn't have even have the opportunity to be pushed if there was no Mimi 
if yeah. you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I yeah. don't think their relationship is as problematic as I guess people say it is. They definitely mm-hmm. have elements of being healthy for each other. And I think for Mimi especially, but there are definitely problematic elements, but I don't think they're totally egregious. All right, so voicemail two. So through a voicemail message, we learned that Maureen is preparing a performance protesting against the eviction of the homeless and artists from the lot. Um, Joanne's parents call her to remind her of her mom's confirmation hearing to be a judge and remind her to dress appropriately and wish her a, mer- a Merry Christmas. Um, so we learned they're cl- clearly very wealthy. Joanne seems to follow their footsteps as she's a lawyer too. And after that song, we have Today For You. So we cut back to Mark and Roger's apartment. Collins comes to give them a box of goodies for Christmas. And Collins used to teach at MIT. Can you imagine? That's so amazing. <laughs> I was floored to hear that. So he's of MIT fame and uh, Joanne is from Harvard. So a lot of talent in that little group. Um, but they expelled him for one of his theories. So he went to teach at NYU. Collins invite them to see Angelo performing. Um, so... Angela performs in drag, and in her performance, she sings about making some money by killing a dog. So, yeah, that's that's really sad. But in the end of the song, she also sang about meeting Collins. I think the song is really cute, despite what happens there. I looked it up. I don't know if you are familiar with that website, but uh, there is a website called Does the Dog Die? Um, <laughs> what? So it's kind of like a website where you can look up a movie for all sorts of, like, you know, bad things that may happen in there. So if you have like triggers for like, you know, a heavy topic, you can see if uh, the movie deals with it. And the main, I think, reason why the movie came to be is a lot of people are upset when they see dog dying in movies and I completely understand. Uh, They'll be like, okay, a person dies in a movie, that's fine. But a dog dying dying in a movie, not acceptable. So um, I just wanted to see if it was there and it was there. So I was happy to see that at least somebody mentioned it. And apart from that, I think, like, the song is really cute. It's very catchy. I like the sentiment behind it. Angel and Collins are my favorite characters <laughs> in this song. Uh, they're so cute. Right? They're adorable. And they have such good hearts. I mean, I yeah. can't say that necessarily for the rest of the cast. But they're very nice people. Um, And I totally buy Collins, Mark, and Roger's friendship. Like, they have a lot of chemistry as friends, I feel. And they seem like they knew each other for years. Uh, which is not something that you always get, I think, in dialogues and in the interaction of the actors in musicals. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe that. So I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I like the song, too. It's very catchy, like you said. It's very physically demanding of yes. whoever plays Angel. Um, he literally has to, like, jump around and heals. So it's really, really tiring. And you can see, like, by the end of the song, like, he was, like, sweating on stage. I have a lot of respect. Yes. Or whoever like, plays Angel, like, wherever you are, respects to you. <laughs> um, I like the song. I also was a little bit questioning, like, how killing the dog is okay in this context. Yeah. I think when I first watched them when I was a kid from the movie, I even had a hard time understanding how did he even kill the dog. Like, by playing oh, the drums said. a lot. They they said, I also don't yeah, understand yeah. that. I think, so they said later on, when they were playing the song, I didn't understand, but later on, they said the dog committed suicide. Yeah. So he jumped from the balcony. <laughs> because of the drums. Yeah. Yeah. And I Did thought it was just Did you feel sad, by the way? So I know you're not a big fan of dogs necessarily, but the dog 
breed was Akita, which is your favorite. I know, I know. I was like, out of all the breeds, why Akita? Because like it rhymes so with Akita. <laughs> I guess. But but yeah, I was a little bit sad. I don't think Akita is the type that barks a lot, though, to be mm. honest. But I could be wrong because I'm not dog expert necessarily. But yeah, if you know, let us know. Um, Please, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I was sad uh, Akita dies. I oh. hope that they give him a name, but it's okay. Avita. Oh, seriously? I thought it, it was just Angel like, not being able to pronounce it. Oh, no, no, no. It's Avita the Akita. Oh, come on. That's lazy. <laughs> that's why they give <laughs> a better Akita. name. But okay. <laughs> Maybe they're really inspired by the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Avita. Maybe. Anyways, um, yeah, other than that, like, Angel's character is so cute, so adorable. I know, know, like, I read somewhere online saying that some people criticize her character for being too plain or boring. And that because, yeah, because she's supposed to be the symbol of, like, innocence and purity. And that's why she doesn't have a lot of um, story arc necessarily. But I thought, like, first of all, there's a lot of characters in this show. So -hmm. if you want every single person to have a story arc, that is almost impossible and it's gonna be messy and it's gonna be longer than what it already is um and second of all like I just appreciate like the goodness that she brings to the story so I really enjoy whenever like she shows up like even the things that she says she's always like sort of like um the person who's like making sure everyone feels okay like if everyone is like fighting or something like she's always kind of jump in exactly she's such to a make... pacifist yeah and don't you want a friend like that I will want totally a friend like that. totally yeah. So, so yeah I really enjoy her character I feel like she and Colin they're so cute like one of my favorite songs is their duet and just, oh my god they're really good people. Um, yeah. Obviously, Collins. I know, like, people criticize him too for Why? what he did in the end. For like, oh, what he did in the end. Okay, I see the, that. I see the that. ATM, yeah, <laughs> um, which we'll get to later. But yeah. but throughout the story, I don't have anything bad to say about him. So yeah, I yeah. really enjoy it. Angel and Collins are my favorite, and then I guess Joanne and the rest of, of Rogers. I also like. Mm-hmm. I really dislike Maureen. What you will get. Really dislike Maureen. But uh, yeah, Angel, my love, Collins, my love. I'm so happy that they're like at least got a really good relationship before the tragedy yeah. happened. Yeah. All right. So after this, we cut to the song you'll see. So uh, we cut to Benny and uh, learn that he started to become antagonistic toward Mark and his group when he got married. Um, he hopes to turn the building they live into a cyber art studio, or I believe it was the lot, actually. And he wants Mark to convince Maureen to call off the protest that she has and in turn will let them live in the apartment rent free. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty big song, but nothing happened much in it besides the fact of like you know trying to bribe mark it's uh, such a big song i didn't even know that really i think like it's a full-size song so uh considering they have like these whole bunch of like you know voicemails and like smaller tune-ups uh i consider it like a bigger song you know okay okay that's fair did you how did you like it did it make you more sympathetic towards benny did you see things from his perspective i mean i always don't see him as a bad person Mm-hmm. So this song, like, if anything, it just makes me hate Mark a little bit more. Mm. It's just like, why yeah. are you being such an asshole? Like, yeah, yeah, but but that's about it. Like, I never hated Benny to begin with, so I don't feel like we. I need a song, like personally as an audience, I don't think I need a song to convince me that he is 
actually somebody who's trying to do something good. So yeah, I think they just come from very different perspective and motivation. And that's pretty much it. Musically, Mm -hmm. I think it's nothing too outstanding, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't mind listening to it. It has kind of like a catch you by when he sings like you'll see boys yeah but that's, but that's about it <laughs> I do like that part specifically yeah. um and I also like the part where he says like you need some more to do it it's what we used to dream about think twice before you poo poo it I love mm-hmm. the usage of poo poo um, <laughs> I don't hear it too often and I was like catching it when it came out and I was like oh my god that's so nice um so I took a special care to that yeah um I think musically it's actually also pretty catchy I like it I like the majority of the songs just fine uh same as you I presume I guess and some songs definitely stood out more than others I don't know if this stood out definitely the most but it was middle of the pack uh and I thought it was pretty nice it made me a little bit more sympathetic to Benny which is something that was really necessary considering what he's about to do. So, yeah, I think it was useful, at least. I don't know. I feel like by coming here and telling them all this, Benny's doing what he could, you know? Like, he's really trying his best to make sure it comes to an agreeable solution. But yeah, but I guess like if you see things from Mark and Roger's perspective, then obviously you're going to be like, oh my god, you traitor. But I guess... Now that I'm older, <laughs> it's like, hey, Benny's actually trying to make it work, you know? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, so from here we go to one of my favorite songs. It's not my all-time favorite, but it's okay. definitely up there for me, which is Tango Marine. Um, so we cut to Mark and Joanne at the lot trying to fix Marine's equipment before the show. Joanne asked Marine not to call Mark, but she did anyway, and now we're here. <laughs> so this is the first time they actually meet each other, which is a great way to meet your, I guess, partner's ex-boyfriend and current girlfriend. And we find out Maureen is three hours late and they're very uncomfortable around each other. Mark quickly eases the tension by, you know, relieving his experiences of being Maureen's boyfriend. And Joanne kind of like resists a little bit but relents and can finally relate and they bond about like Maureen being (laughs) flirtatious and unfaithful but saying they still love her anyway um so as I mentioned I actually really really like the song and I really like the tango in the middle of the song I think it's like a really good act they have a lot of chemistry I know like they don't they're not together in any way, but they have a lot of chemistry and I could have totally seen them getting mm-hmm. together instead of like oh with Maureen. <laughs> Me too, yeah. Really? Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone here. Um, and I was a little bit let down that it didn't happen, to be honest. Uh, so it's a really, really great song, a lot of good energy and their interaction is just so effortless, especially since this is the first time they meet each other. Um, musically, it's a great song. So all around thumbs up for me. What do you think? I agree. I enjoy the song greatly, greatly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just so funny in the sense that they are able to bond over their current partner or like ex-girlfriend, I guess. I just find it very amazing because I don't imagine that it will ever happen in like an Asian cultural context. So <laughs> it's amazing to see that happen. And if you watch the movie, they changed the scene from like where they are in the studio mm-hmm. to like... A dancing floor kind of I did not like that actually really I thought because it was actually quite interesting but okay go ahead I didn't like that just because we saw Maureen I liked that oh. we saw her so late okay okay that's a good point that's a really good point but I guess like if it's a movie and Maureen came out like actually really really late 
I like almost that. the end of Act One. Yeah, I know that's because you hate Moraine, but no, not only um, that because I think it's so novel. You know, you never see musicals where a main character shows up like seconds before, not seconds, but like minutes before Act One ends. It's such a power true. statement. <laughs> Which okay, I could see Maureen I, I doing, like that. Maureen, with all, all of her egocentrism, like would be that person to <laughs> show up minutes before Act One ends, fashionably late, and be like, "Hey, everybody, I'm here." And make <laughs> sure interest. Begin. Okay, okay, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, but yeah, but I enjoy the movie arrangement of it too, just because you can really see the dancing, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in the musical version, they have really good chemistry. At first, I also kind of thought there was like the romantic sort of energy, but then afterwards, you get to see that they really becomes good friends, and yeah. I can also appreciate that level of relationship too. Agreed. Because, to be honest, I think Joanne's personality probably doesn't match with Mark's anyways. No. So I appreciate seeing them like say as really good friends instead of like going beyond that. And musically, it's just very catchy. Is also like the sailboat tango from um what it was. What was it? Chicago? Yes, from Chicago to I think anything tango is just very catching the sense. So I liked <laughs> <Fair>. it. <laughs> yeah. And I like how they kind of just in a the movie they also have like a zoom in to be yeah. like staring at each other for a while and then they just decided to dance. And I thought it was just so I love the dancing yeah. <laughs> here. I love it so much. And I think like it works so well. Mm-hmm. Um I'm always at awe in dancing because I cannot imagine envision doing something like that. So, yeah. and tango especially, like it's such a energy specific dancing, I think, and it's so like it's such a powerful moment that I'm always impressed. I totally understand, by the way, what you mean about you know them not being compatible. They're both very type A, married to their work, and they needed somebody like Maureen, not necessarily Maureen, but like Maureen, to you know ease the tension um, mm. from their life. So they wouldn't necessarily work well with each other in terms of that, in terms of a long-term relationship, but they just have a lot of really good chemistry. So I feel a little bit sad about that, but they do make really good friends too. And I really liked, by the way, the whole thing, like it was a theme in a music or in a music number when like Maureen didn't call her Pookie. And that was like a point of pride for her. And in the end of the song, Maureen does call her Pookie. I thought it was so cute. And Mark is like, oh, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, he was like secretly laughing at the side. And yeah. it was just interesting to see how they really bonded over this one song. And even like in the beginning of the song, and he was like, oh, try to say something. And then Jan was like, test one, two, three. Yeah. And Mark was like, anything but that. And I thought like the awkwardness between them is just so adorable too. So it's amazing to see that transformation. A hundred percent. All right. So we'll mesh two songs here as well. So Life Support and Out Tonight. So we cut to the Life Support meeting. Mark shows up for his documentary. And meanwhile, Mimi wants to go out and have fun. Um, Mimi kind of like uses going out and probably taking drugs as well um, as an escape from her past. That's at least what we learned throughout the song. And she doesn't want to be reminded of home and of who she is. And because she is starting to get to be reminded of her home, she's doing like anything in her power to just forget it by going out and getting wild. Um, and at the end of the song, she shows up at Roger's apartment with a bag of heroin, asking him to take her out tonight. So what do you think? So I have to give credits to um, Renee. Is that her yeah. name? Yeah, she is absolutely amazing. This song, <laughs> I think it was just so physically demanding too. I think whoever needs to play Angel and um and Mimi just 
really need to be and she so was fit. 30, like seven I think almost yeah. 38 oh my god her abs I was like I crying almost literally like kill to get abs I know and then she can sing like upside down too and I'm like holy cow how do you do that when we watch Hamilton you will freak she's so good like so far we covered Angelica who's um Renee we covered Eliza from Amelie now I really want to cover Peggy, but I looked at her, yeah, they're the Skylar sisters. So oh. um, <laughs> Peggy doesn't really have a lot of um, other musicals I've seen, at least from her Wikipedia page experience. But maybe if I manage to find one, we'll definitely cover it just to complete the trifecta. Just to complete it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but now it's really having my expectation high because to be honest, from Emily, I didn't get too excited. I understand. <laughs> but from this song, I am like, oh, my God, I'm ready to see, like, her next performance. So that's just how good she is. She's really amazing. I yeah. love it. And even without that performance, like, the song itself is also very catchy. I like how it expressed Mimi's personality very well. Like, it's very wild, the song. And how she, in the middle of the song, there was, like, a friction of moments when she was, like, more sentimental and thinking about reflecting on her past, kind of. Mm -hmm. And the emotion that she brings into that part was just amazing. It was so smooth. It's not forced. It's not weird. But it's just such a smooth transition into that. And then it brings it up back to that really hyped up, energetic vibe um, that the song has. So really enjoy watching that transformation. I think it's very amazing. Definitely great acting great dancing and just really great performance in general I find the part when she like kind of just barge into Roger's apartment a little bit weird though yeah because <laughs> imagine somebody just like show up at your door and in the movie she kind of shows up from the window and she like kind of just comes into the apartment from the window she, so it's not like even like she's knocking on the door or something she just kind of comes in by herself mm-hmm. and I'm like oh that's weird <laughs> if I'm Roger I'll be like freaking out because I'm probably like wearing my underwear or something and I'll be like oh my god dude it's not the right time but but yeah I thought I w- that part was a little bit weird but then again it fits her personality right because she's mm-hmm. more of a carefree type of person so it does convince me there so yeah I like it I don't like how she invites Rogers to do drugs with her to be honest yeah. I didn't even get that she was inviting to do drugs together. I thought she was just like inviting Rogers to have fun and to date in a sense. Mm-hmm. Until like somebody else pointed out that she like took out the the pockets of, of drugs and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh that's what it was. Yeah. Oh that that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. And in the next song, um, he'll say, like, take your powder. And that's what he was referring to as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. In terms of the song, up until, I guess, the convincing or trying to convince Rogers to do drugs, I also really enjoyed it. It's such a fun, energetic number. I love that she belts out, like, ow tonight. And she stretches out and kind of, like, goes really high. I mm-hmm. thought it was so impressive that she was able to do that. Of course, the dancing is off the chart. It's so amazing. And especially the hanging upside down and still belting the high notes. It's like something that is so incomprehensible to me. I know. Um, but it's amazing. Amazing performance. Really, really good song from her. And uh, she definitely makes it work. I don't really have anything to add besides what you said. I was just at all the entire time. In terms of life support, the refrain of no day by t- but today, I think, like, will be really important coming on. But 
not like it's not I think the peak moment for it yet so the peak yeah. moment for it will be in the next song but it starts Wait. Side note, I think the names that they say in the support group mm. comes from the the real life people that the author met yeah. in, in the support group too. So I thought that was kind of neat, uh, mm-hmm. very neat details. So I just want to throw it in there. Yeah, that's a good note. I didn't know, but um, I'm not sure if he ended up dying from AIDS, but I believe he was HIV positive. I don't positive. think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was from other things. Yeah. But yeah. it was so. a common, common misconception. Uh, yes. Yes. That's right. <laughs> um, so we did talk a little bit about the other song, which is Another Day, um, and I'll mesh it up with Will I. So um, Roger, bless his soul, <laughs> does the right thing and refuses her, ask, like her um, giving him drugs and asking him to take her out, which very good job. Good job, Rogers. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, but he is conflicted a little bit because he does want some kind of connection and intimacy with her and he wants to stay with her and Mimi senses that part of him and kind of like tries to make him open up and come with her anyway and um while she was doing that she kind of imparts her philosophy which is essentially YOLO I live this moment (laughs) as my last Uh, how what was when was last time you heard somebody use the word YOLO I don't know (laughs) I feel like it's such a 2010 thing that's true (laughs) <laughs> or like from a t-shirt or something oh my god don't remind me <laughs> um but yeah she's backed up by the support group kind of in the background who's saying no day but today um so they kind of all try to convince rogers to act in the moment and not be as reserved and i think that's a fine sentiment and very good if the drugs weren't part of the equation so know, um right? yeah so roger's ultimately or roger ultimately refuses and i think that's a good choice here but the narrative paints it as the wrong thing or something that is kind of negative and it would 100% be like i could see that being the case if not for the drugs mm-hmm. uh and i do feel very conflicted considering drugs are part of the equation and he just recently got out of seven months rehab and he's doing his most and really really doing a good job taking care of himself and making sure to abstain from drugs and painting that in a negative way in any shape way or form I think is very misguided um yeah yeah so I had had a an issue with that in terms of will I I think it's a really heartbreaking song. I'm glad they included it. It doesn't really have much to do with the plot, but it's kind of like the support group um, fear what is going to happen as their disease progresses and their fear specifically losing their dignity. And I think, I don't know, my heartstrings definitely were played because it's so sad. Um, and I felt so sympathetic for them. And it, it kind of really made the entire number have a lot of gravity to it. Um, And I think a lot of people could relate or not relate even maybe down the road, but sympathize at the very least with their cause. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I agree with honestly everything you said. (laughs) I think it's such a shame that drug has to be in the equation. If not, it was like such a good moment. It was like an encouraging moment for Rogers to kind of come out you know like open up into Mm -hmm. to come out like from that traumatic experience but then drug wasn't an equation so it makes I have to agree with Roger's decision Mm -hmm. which is so weird because everybody else and in the movie too especially Especially, everybody else is like encouraging him to go with Mimi and then I'm like but Mimi is doing drugs do you guys Mm -hmm. know that um so 
yeah, I agree with you. I think it was if only they kind of leave that the drug part out, then it will make so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be such a good moment. Yeah, but yeah. And I think it wasn't mentioned like explicitly, but it was implied that this is how he got drugs in the first, like drugs, how he got AIDS in the first place. So him and his girlfriend were both junkies and I guess they used an unclean needle and um, that's how they got infected in the first place. So knowing that and knowing obviously the trauma that he has around being HIV positive is especially disgusting that she wants to do drugs, especially... Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's such a big theme of No Day But Today in the musical. And it's something that's like the big thing he's overcoming. Don't attach it to the drugs, please. To be honest, I feel like No Day But Today is such a good motif or at least a good message. And to be mm-hmm. honest, it's like my favorite theme from this musical, too. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy it if it's not painted in the light, be like, okay, so that's like, do whatever. That's yeah. not having to take care of yourself. And then that's do drugs, pretty <laughs> much. Because you still need to be responsible, right? And <laughs> um, and I think Rogers here is trying to be responsible of himself <laughs> when everybody else seems to encourage him to do the otherwise and just live in a moment. <laughs> but living in a moment doesn't mean that your life is not worth living or like you don't need to take care of other things. Um, especially if you're trying to be a so-called quote-unquote like the bad influence by offering drugs to other people then it's like what the heck kind of yeah, yeah. so I agree 100% I also really enjoy um, Will I I think it's so heartbreaking mm-hmm. I really enjoy it in the musical version because honestly there's only three lines in this song yeah. but you can see you can really feel the emotion like the frustration the fear mm-hmm. of like when I sing like will I lose my dignity well like will somebody care mm-hmm. it's like you don't have to have AIDS or you don't have to be necessarily being a support group or anything to feel that you know mm-hmm. the feeling of not being cared for or like whatever happens to you nobody else care about and mm-hmm. you're going to die alone exactly. I feel like in some ways we can all relate to it or like to at least trying to understand what that would feel like so I enjoy in the sense and by the end of the song like Rogers kind of changed his mind and he rushes out yeah at least in the musical version yeah so I feel like it's also a very good um transformation in terms of like how he changed his mind without having to listen to like Rogers like internal dialogue or something you only have the three line songs repeating itself over and over again and then maybe that question that he's like thinking if I die tomorrow like will somebody care mm-hmm. will like eventually change his mind to be like okay maybe I should start living the moment so I think it's a very beautiful arrangement of like mm-hmm. how that transformation happened obviously just not to do drugs please <laughs> drugs is bad yes don't 100%. do it yeah for the movie which I really really liked I didn't notice it in the musical but maybe you can correct me um when Rogers goes out he goes to the support group and considering mm-hmm. he's also HIV positive, I think it's a really good thing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that he did that. It felt like change within him and taking first baby steps and finding a community um, yeah. of people who are like-minded and not feel as as much of a shame and regret as he does. In terms of the no day but today and like drugs, they, I don't think they meant it that way, but we could play like a little bit of devil advocate or maybe give them an idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> So 
ultimately Rogers reject her. But in the finale, they repeat No Date But Today, and Roger and Mimi start actually singing it together in harmony. Um, so it could be that Mimi doing this and Roger's refusing like to cooperate is a cue for Mimi to change herself and understanding that No Day But Today doesn't mean like do whatever, don't care for yourself. It means care for yourself in a specific way, not only for you, but also for other people, because that matters a lot. And that's something she understands by the end of the musical. And I think if you just divorce her melody from the support group, you can achieve that. I don't know if that makes sense. So if you see it that yeah, way. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that if if literally they just divorced her melody from the support group it and maybe called for it a little bit more in the finale, it would really work. Um, okay, going to a really nice song, I think, or a really nice few songs coming up. Uh, we go to On the Streets. So Mark protects a homeless woman from the police um, outside of the support group uh, by filming uh, them and saying the officer's name on camera. So the homeless woman isn't really wowed but by what he did, saying he is taking advantage of her situation without actually contributing anything. And when she asks for money, he doesn't give her any. Um, meanwhile, Angel tries to defuse the situation by going like essentially Celavi, that's New York for you. And she and Collins uh, sing about like going to Santa Fe, opening up a restaurant. And then they also have, um, I don't know, a really cute moment together. I really like... Collins, as I mentioned, and I think this number is very sweet in general. But what do you think? I like this number too. I think he has really good vocal too. Yeah. Oh my God. Santa Fe is like such a hopeful song in a way, like the way that they paint their future to- together, and then to think about like what future will look like together, and then the way that he interacts with Angel during this song too is just so cute. When he's like sings that um, I can like, be like greeting the customer and then you can be like cooking the, the food or like experimenting yeah. with the food or something. It's like... It's so domestic. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! And I don't know. Is The acting is just so natural. Immaculate. It's so, com- it's so, so convincing. Um, yeah, the way that they interact with each other is just really adorable. I really enjoy it. And mm-hmm. the song itself, musically, I think it's really good, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like how in a, in a movie, the song is sing in the subway. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think in the subway, even though, like, the the, the background or, like, the, the setting is a little bit different, but I also enjoy the vibe because they're really... seems like they're having a good time, you know? And because subway in New York is such a is such a typical scene mm-hmm. in a big city like that. So in the big city, well dreaming what life could look like somewhere else and then having that really chill vibe to it, I think it also has a different take to the song. So I really enjoyed how, um, I guess, what I did in the movie too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, um, I really, really like the song. It's definitely up there for me. Um, I think it's so cute very iconic I really really like Colin's voice it's very Mm -hmm. soothing (laughs) I know right yeah and it's just like fun and upbeat at the same time it just like I don't know he has a a velvety voice I love it um and generally I think it's a cute number I actually musically prefer this number over the next one um but it's still yeah very cute so the next one is I'll cover you um essentially like Colin asks 
Angel if they're a couple and she confirms. Um, and while they are being very cute, the song, in my opinion, is a little bit forgettable. Um, and I do like Santa Fe more, but their interaction is just so cute. It kind of makes up for it and like gives it a reason for being there. What do you think? Ash, I really like this song. It's a cute song, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think it will. I don't know. This is really hard to pick, like, even the top three from this mm-hmm. musical. But it's definitely up there. Do you have I, a top one? The I first? That's hard. That's why I said it's hard. I am putting my foot down. You will have to pick a top one. Oh, no. All right. Well, we can leave that to the final thought. But... Oh, okay, okay. You're going to stretch it back much, eh? <laughs> I'm going to reveal, if I have to pick one, what would it be? Ooh, okay. So you have to <laughs> stay until the end of this episode, guys. <laughs> if you're curious. Okay, so going back to the song, I think it's so cute. I really like adorable. it. The song itself is so sweet. And I guess, like, knowing what happens later on in the musical, like, just the the sweeter the song is, the more heartbreaking it will be mm-hmm. when the when the tragedy comes. But, but yeah... Other than that, like, I, I like, I love to see them interact with each other. I think it's just so natural. Um, In the movie, they combine the scene with, like, Angel buying the, the jacket or the coat for mm-hmm. Colin. Um, And in the musical, that happens at a totally different time. But it doesn't matter, to be honest. It's just, again, just how cute they are together. Even though it's a very typical, like, a love song, pretty much... It's all they're saying, just like, I love you, you love me, we're, like, trying to take care of each other. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you look at other couples in this musical, then it makes me at least, like, appreciate what they have even more. Mm-hmm. Because what they share is very genuine and very sincere. And while other couples kind of going through, like, a more of a rocky stage, especially, obviously, Rogers and Mimi, and even, like, Moring and um, Joanne also have, they, like, kind of break off and then come back together a couple times in the show, too. And Angel and Collins, they met on the street. <laughs> and it's not that long ago since they kind of met and mm-hmm. decided to be together. So the fact that they are so stable and then so supportive and really are able to care for each other is just amazing. And I know, obviously, this is probably not realistic to the point that it's set up that way. So On that the contrary, the show have... though, isn't yeah. it like the honeymoon phase? That could be it, too. But if you think about it, Rogers and Mimi also have a honeymoon phase, but then it also involves a lot of fighting, too. But Rogers and Mimi aren't even together until, like, really late. No, but, like... And they, like, kind of sort of together after um, they found out that they are both, they both have eight. Yeah, but that happens, like, right before Act 1 ends. And then we see a little bit more of them in Act 2. But there is a big time jump, like, of two months. And in those two months, he lives with her and we don't really see what, like, their interaction is like. But then, like, I mean, obviously we can't see, like, what happens during those two months. But... I don't know. I think whatever Collins and, and Angel shared seems pretty genuine. And even oh, like till sure. the end of her life too. Mm-hmm. Like they're very supportive of each other, which is amazing. That part um, I was so impressed. Like definitely the honeymoon phase is over and it's always very difficult to take care of somebody um who's dying. Just seeing mm-hmm. somebody you love so much die in front of your eyes, it must be hell for Collins to go through. So yeah. um you can see their love is so genuine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and even though I think like the the I'll Cover You song is less catchy than Santa Fe, the lyrics of the song, in addition to their interactions, is just like really cute. I love when they're like, oh, I'll be, your, uh, you'll be my king, I'll be your queen, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're like, oh, I think they meant it. Like when you say you can buy love, but we can rent it. So like they're really um, cognizant of each other's autonomy and of who they are as people they just seem really cute and genuine and like they genuinely love each other for who they are um it's just really nice yeah um yes (laughs) sorry that's that's just my (laughs) I just really like them I 100% echo that all Uh, okay, so from here we have um, two songs again. So We Are Okay and Christmas Bells. So um, Joanne balances her work and personal life. Um, and at the lot before the performance, uh, protesting, the homeless are caroling about, um, like, but the song kind of devolves into being about their living situation. Um, and the whole gang is also there because, you know, the performance is kind of for the homeless people or for the uh, artists who are performing in the lot, a.k.a. Maureen. Um, and AJ and Collins are on a date. Roger tells Mark what happened between him and Mimi, um, where he spots Mimi walking by. So he approaches her to apologize and invite her to the performance. Um, we also see the police gather around in anticipation of the protest. And finally, we see Maureen at the very end of the number. And as I mentioned, it's really, really strange and unusual to introduce the main character just before the first act wraps up. But here we are. These are relatively short uh, songs, I think, but Christmas Mm -hmm. Bells specifically returns. I do like Christmas Bells a little bit. I think I'm a little bit conflicted, actually, about the homeless subplot. I don't think they give it all that much emphasis. Mm -hmm. Um, It just feels kind of like a backdrop of what's happening around here, but nobody really pays all that much much attention to it only to point out like how hypocritical they hypocritical they are that they're saying like oh you know they're doing all this for the homeless people but they are actually doing it for themselves but apart Mm. from that nothing really touches it so they feel more like a backdrop to everything that is happening rather than it being taken very seriously um so while i do like the, the number and i appreciate that it's there i don't know if they musical itself treats the homeless homelessness problem like tr- problem any better than the characters in the musical do because it's just so minute and so inconsequential to the plot you can easily cut it out and nothing would be harmed so I feel like it's more of an aesthetic rather than definitely some, yeah that is yeah. really important so I think that's one of the main criticism the show receives really? too um yeah I mean it's already better than a movie okay but still but still, like it would, it could have a lot more um, emphasis in the in the show. Mm-hmm. But I think, to be honest, though, I feel like with all the elements and the themes that the musical was trying to cover, it's really hard to make sure every everything gets like um, enough screen time almost. But still, like you could have made it a little bit more relevant to the plot almost, or like a little bit. Um, more something that's more related to a character or something because like you said it really didn't feel that much that important almost like if you cut it from the plot nothing much would have changed and yeah like well I'm trying to stay respectful of like their decision to like of uh, what to include and what to cut mm-hmm. I just feel like I can't help but to feel 
the main characters are a little bit hypocritical um, just because that they claim that they care about it, but really you don't really see all that much mm-hmm. in the show. And probably that wasn't the biggest um, theme or message that the musical was trying to communicate. But then why bother to have the mu- the main characters like care about it or like at least mention it several times without mm-hmm. actually having to do something mm-hmm. is questionable to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think the musical itself, just like the character, uses them as an aesthetic, and I would have personally removed it. Mm-hmm. Again, I do like the the song. I especially like when they say, like, no room at the Holiday Inn, oh no. Yeah. And, yeah, I think, like, last week you mentioned, like, you really like um, when people sing in unison, and they sing that line in unison, and I thought it was very, it sounded great. Mm-hmm. But it just felt a little bit like taking advantage also, I'm going to mention it later on, but this uh, specific song reminds me of Ain't Got No in Hair. Um, and there are a few other songs that remind me of songs from Hair, the musical. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Not really, to be honest. Okay. Um, so if you guys have any opinion about the familiarity between this and Harry, um, you can let us know. But this really reminds me of Ain't Got No, where they also had like a song about homelessness. And it was also more of a... Mm, minor subplot compared to like everything else um and they also left like lived a very bohemian lifestyle it was like the hippie time war in vietnam and stuff like that so it really echoed that for me and i just wish they did more with it i understand the time constraint but i think the respectable thing to do is just take it out completely All right, everybody. So that's a wrap on part one. And if you want to talk about anything we've covered so far, you know, uh, you can always find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at Podway Podcast. Or you can email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. Please let us know all your thoughts about everything that is happening right now, what you're looking forward to us discussing in part two. Um, We'd be really interested in hearing kind of your perspective. All right, everyone. Please stay tuned for part two in the next week. Yeah. And we'll see you there. Bye. Bye.